Start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. This episode, we are talking The Phone Message, Season 2, Episode 4. And this episode aired on February 13th, 1991. Corey, would you please give us the synopsis? Yes, sir. Paranoid because his new girlfriend hasn't returned his call... George leaves a series of progressively nasty phone messages on her answering machine. When he learns she's out of town, George enlists Jerry to help him steal the message tape before she can hear George's messages. Uh, I do like this episode aired a day before Valentine's, and this is a very uh, kind of relationship-centric episode. Um, And something that people and kids in 2019 will not understand, but at one point, guys, you know, the the voice message that you leave on the iPhone, (laughs) it was a separate machine from from the actual phone itself was it was this this fucking voice recorder that you which actually took tapes like cassette tapes for you to record mm-hmm. on it was it was a you have to explain cassette tapes man right so so cassette <laughs> tapes guys <laughs> are magnetic strips <laughs> yeah uh yes exactly you know the glory of the datedness of this being a 90s show uh, but we get it because we're fucking old. Exactly. And we, it's fantastic. So uh, the the show, this episode starts off with a stand-up bit about soda, I believe. Yes. Something like that. Well, um, it's, uh, the, the bad thing about TV is people are always having more fun than you are is basically his thesis mm. for, for this bit. Uh, and then he kind of talks about how, you know, you're watching this uh, like a soda commercial and everyone's having a good time and, and going crazy. And, and then all of a sudden you're holding that soda and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not doing all that. And then his like, the, the, the punchline is maybe I put too much ice in mine and you know you're just not having as good of a time as they are and and that's pretty much it this is probably my least favorite stand-up bit like so far of the entire series yeah it was not strong I, I did not like it at all yeah yeah it just it, the the punch it, it's it could not stand up on a note stand up on its own the only thing that like I think would semi save that saves it is because it kind of ties into the commercial that you know is a whole big deal for the show but this is before we even know about that so right now like the comedy on its own isn't all that funny all right so so george and jerry enter monks and instead of going to you know they ha- i don't know if they've really fully established you know their booth yet um but like at this point they go to the counter for some goddamn reason. I have no idea why. Yeah, they they've at this point in the show, they have not just stayed in one spot. They've actually bounced around the set a lot, uh, Monk's mm-hmm. Diner. And yeah, I don't think that they've like I they probably have sat at the booth. It's not the booth because the the one the on the male and bonding in the first season, it's not the same booth. It's the You're it's, right. it's the one over from it. So they haven't established their booth yet, and I'm curious to see when that actually comes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're on Booth Watch here uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. on Cartwright. <laughs> booth Watch 2019. <laughs> yeah. And basically, George is talking about some girl, and yay, he kind of scored a date. Good for him. It's a whole story that, honestly, I didn't really care about. Um, I didn't. Re- I did 
care one thing. Did you notice okay. he George mentions Lloyd a couple times, and I'm wondering if that's Lloyd Braun. Maybe, but like he talks, he doesn't talk about him in like a negative, too much of a negative light. Right? Yeah, it's it's not a bad conversation about their his friend Lloyd, but it's yeah. just interesting that they use the name Lloyd and later Lloyd it Braun. Is. So I'm I am curious if it that was like the seeds of that character, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it probably was. It probably was like. Exactly, like they have this name Lloyd, and they just get one something, and then they've probably developed him into Lloyd Braun. I bet you're right. But I did like how it ended with with Jerry kind of like relating George's ability to successfully get that date via the phone, and how he he just mm-hmm. like you know he he's like I'm done, you know, or you know he he ends it when he needs to end it. He gets out quick, and Jerry's like, yeah, like a bank robber, you don't stay around, you know, you get in, you get out, you do the job. And I just I I always love the way Jerry you know juvenilely sort of relates everything to some sort of fantastical scenario definitely um but yeah the only the thing at the end also we find out that basically both george and jerry have dates on the same night um so good for them um our next scene is we have this intercut scene between george and his date who is her name is carol played by tori pallone Uh, and this is the last thing that she's acted in Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she she only had about like seven or eight credits, and they were all kind of like one-off people, and this was the last thing that, that she had a credit for. So, all right. Uh, and the then it's, it intercuts Jerry and his date, Donna, who is played by Gretchen German, uh, and she's done nothing big. She's pretty much all her characters have been one-off, but she's been working, you know, up until... You know, 2017, I think, was all her last credit. So she's still been, like, doing quite a bit of stuff. I think I recognized her, and, I, you know, I looked her up on IMDb, and it was a lot of, like, Star Trek or, you know, all kinds of random mm-hmm. weird shit. And I'm like, nah, it's not her. Yeah, but I really looked through her IMDb because I was like, I fucking recognize her for some reason, but I, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it. You no, know, she. I mean, she did a lot of different stuff, but it was all just, like, a one-off character or something, This like this kind of character, but for other shows. Yeah. So we're having these two scenes, and they're... Uh, you know, both of them are, you know, in the cars outside of the the respective ladies' apartments, um, kind of like how they're going to end their nights. Uh, and George gets asked inside for coffee. And him, without, you know, thinking or missing a beat, uh, he says, oh, no, 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 coffee keeps me up at night. And she she's kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, the, the look on her face was perfect. She was like, oh, okay. Yes. And then she just fucking slams the door on him. <laughs> yeah. She heads out, and then it takes him a second, but he realizes pretty quickly after she's gone, oh, fuck, what the hell? She's inviting me up. I should have gone up there because coffee isn't coffee, you know, which he, we get later. But uh, it's funny. You know, you kind of see you know, his uh, realization about what the fuck's going on. <laughs> and a testimony to Jason Alexander, you can see it on his face, like his, the gears turning in George's head. He did a great job of, like, emoting that through his reactions as after she left. You know, it goes from, why would she, Why did that happen? Oh, my God, I'm a moron. And you, yeah. <laughs> you see it all on his yeah. face, which is why Jason yeah. Alexander is a fucking monster. He's a beast. Uh, he's, yeah, he's very good. Um and Jerry and his his date end up going back to his place, and we start off with a line when we cut to his apartment, which I think I think it's a fucking hilarious line. This might be my favorite line of the episode. Um, when we're at his apartment, the first thing that he says is, "I think if someone's going to kill themselves, so, you know, they should leave a note. You know, it's just common courtesy." And this is dark fucking humor. Like this is. Darker, I mean, well, I mean, Seinfeld has a lot of dark humor in it, and I appreciate that. I like dark humor. I like the kind of stuff that other people might, 
feel uncomfortable about. Like, I'm going to be laughing my ass off. Uh, and it also just kind of shows, you know, Jerry's maybe a bit of a terrible person because he's joking about suicide, which I feel like nowadays it's it's almost one of those untouchable things. Like, oh, my God, you can't make fun of suicide. But I like that this show goes there. I like that they, they make fun of whatever because I'm, I'm in the belief, kind of like almost like you know, kind of the South Park mentality of anything and everything should be able to be made fun of. Comedy, not to say, you know, comedy is flawless or comedy, you know, can't be wrong or whatever. Uh, But I do think everything should be allowed to be funny. And if you are offended by it, then just fucking turn it off and go away. Like, but the fact that that comedy exists, I'm happy about that. So anyway, that's my dark humor pedestal. I'm putting my fucking soapbox away. uh, But I (laughs) loved that line. I'm with you, man. I thought it was fantastic. It reminded me just kind of why I love Seinfeld as much as I do. And it didn't even draw me in the same way it did with you. I have a different, you know, favorite Mm. line of the episode. But it hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't really hear stuff like that too often anymore. And that's why, I mean, I don't know if Seinfeld would even work these days. Like, I'm sure they could find a different way to do it. But, yeah, I like that, man. I think it's funny. I thought it was a funny fucking line. And it was a great way to start it. And it's it's subtly dark. I mean, yes, it is dark. But Jerry's so lighthearted that it makes it more of a, a more of a subtle darkness. But it is dark. It is, yeah. Uh, they end up having this entire discussion about cotton dockers and I, this, this commercial, uh, about cotton dockers. I can't even remember what prompts them to discuss about it. <laughs> Honestly. No, it's his pants. He, he's looking at, him. oh yes. So it is, it's just complete, completely random, you know, that they <laughs> kind of, he brings it up, but she talks about this commercial or he talks about this commercial and she ends up liking it. And Jerry just. He can't fathom this. Like this fucking is embedded in his head. He he's kind of flipping out about it as to why she likes it. And she's like, you know, she's doesn't matter. She's like, all right, whatever, just fucking let it go. She's trying to be sexual. Like she's like grabbing him, trying to like get something going. And Jerry being the, like fucking this is classic Seinfeld, man. Yeah, and this this is something that's going to be very prevalent later. Whereas they harp on one thing and it just gets mm-hmm. blown out of this gigantic proportion. I mean, yes, and that that becomes a, a running gag throughout the series, and it also is something that they even kind of like meta make fun of because you know down the line there's always you know the one person you know who fucks up something and they always like they nickname her whatever it was. That fucked her up like, oh, she's the the close talker or she's the, you know, whatever. Um, and it's all of those different people are the it's always named after the one thing that they can't fucking, you know, seem to to let go. And so she would be the cotton dockers. <laughs> she would be the cotton dockers. And, and yeah. of course, it's funny because they were having good chemistry, really good chemistry right really up into good that. Chemistry. And, and it just it, it stalls, completely stalls the, the conversation and stalls the, the momentum of, of the date. And then which goes right into a, a stand up segue that's actually pretty good now that you we were actually talking about it when i watched it i was like okay the stand-up was whatever but now that we're talking about how the fact that they harp on this one thing about a person and it gets blown up the whole stand-up is when you're dating somebody you know you're you're being hypercritical you're analyzing them and it's it's because you're like okay (laughs) am i gonna be able to like deal with this personality trait in in 30 years now for normal humans it's like maybe something like you know 
it's not like someone's eyebrows, but Jerry brings it like to that point. Jerry's like, you know, like, like their eyebrows, like, can I stare at these eyebrows, you know, for the rest of my life? And he makes it, he makes it a small thing that they blow up, but it's still something that we can all relate to because we all do that when we were first dating. It's like, okay, this person's fucking cool as shit, but they chew with their mouth open. Can I deal with that for the rest of my fucking life? You know? Uh, but he just takes it to something super petty about, about eyebrows or something. I don't know. When I was dating somebody for the the first time i was not thinking about other shit i was almost constantly just thinking okay when can i see them naked when can i see them naked when can i see them naked and that's a pretty much like please please can i touch you naked soon or like oh my god and i wasn't thinking about like you know if their eyebrows were too thick well might i make a, an observation i think you and i maybe been were more like georgish a little bit you know when yeah, we were okay. younger and and like maybe getting you know having girlfriends back you know wasn't always so easy but G- jerry i've you Jerry's kind of cool, like because he's a, yeah. he's, a, he's a small celebrity. He, you know, he's yeah. and that actually comes up later in this episode. I sometimes forget he is a, a bit of a celebrity in that world. He has been on the Tonight Show in that universe, in the Seinfeld universe. He's been out there, so yeah, he's going to get a little bit. He's it's going to be a little bit easier for him to get laid because he's a celebrity. I, I think that's true. That's true. You know, and, I, and I'm pretty much a celebrity, I feel, as well. So I kind of, I, I get it. I'm, I'm a celebrity in my mind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I get it all the time with myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get it on with yourself all the time. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're cutting to Jerry's apartment. We have Jerry and Elaine there. Uh, and they're basically just talking about him being unsure pretty much exactly what the stand-up bit was unsure about her because she likes this apart or this commercial and he's like you know i I don't know if i can be with this person because she likes the commercial i mean elaine elaine's the rational one at least in this kind of episode like who fucking cares (laughs) it's not a big deal george comes in and he very humorously has pepto bismol and alka-seltzer with him because he's got like you know, a fucking ulcer pretty much from, you know, him just being uh, realizing that he can't get over that he fucked up. You know, he almost got some sex and he fucked it up. And and while he's extreme about it with his Pepto and everything, I think we can all relate to <laughs> just obsessing over the fact that we know we fucked up that conversation or whatever we did. We fucked up that. Oh, date. Yeah. We've all obsessed over that before. We've all been in that situation. George just takes it to the 10th degree. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm married now and I'm not, you know, I have no issue issues with any of that but i still go back and think like you know what if i did this differently i probably could have slept with that one person <laughs> you know you know maybe i think of yeah uh if if my wife listens to this episode i don't think about it often and i'm not going to do anything about it honey you're sleeping on the couch tonight baby <laughs> i just i do constantly uh you know think about my actions and be like shit i should have done that better <laughs> not not just the sexual ones but other stuff too uh you know just like how i could have you know hindsight and God damn it, I'm just going to fucking, I'm, I'm shoveling myself in a goddamn grave here and just fucking, let's move on. <laughs> You're being very George Costanza right now. <laughs> yes. All right. We have a great line from George right now. Uh, maybe one of the best ones of the episode uh, where I love that he says, you know, he's, he's he's neurotic about himself, you know, not going upstairs with her. And he says, people this stupid shouldn't be allowed to live. And I just, I like it. It's It's kind of quick uh and then we kind of get into a really good discussion you know him him uh talking about coffee and it's not coffee and elaine's like well maybe it's just coffee and he's like no 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 it's not fucking coffee uh you know and she just wants to 
to it goes into the uh, it goes into the whole discussion about you know does he like her or does she like him and Elaine's like she probably just likes you and he's like no 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 she wants you to like her or to think I like her you know but she doesn't like me I, I can't even do it yeah uh, his I, his <laughs> delivery was fantastic but she doesn't like me yeah <laughs> you know and <laughs> that was great I love that one exactly I mean yeah George is just being so fucking neurotic exactly as we just put it all he has to do if he just played it straight and just shut up and listen to Elaine, you know, it would be all good. Honestly, actually, well, it turns out all good anyway, which I guess we'll talk to talk about later. But, you know, the, the more wise and adult Adam now is just like, just shut up and play it cool and just pretend like nothing is wrong and then have a good second date. And then you invite her for coffee and then boom, everything's fucking set. Watching this episode makes me so happy that I'm married and that <laughs> yes, it, yeah. <laughs> it also makes me so happy that I'm 41 years old and I truly, you know, don't care about other people's feelings anymore, <laughs> you know, and it's just yeah. it's like, oh my god, but it, it's all true, man. Like when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, it's just it's chaos. It's chaos in your head and you got to you got to remember the filter that these that they're they're going through here. There's there's no Facebook, there's no nothing, right? So you have no way of knowing where this person is, how to communicate with them other than leaving them a horrible voice message on the phone or whatever. (laughs) And it's just, it's really weird how disconnected you are from other people back then. I mean, I would argue we were more more connected because at one point in time in this episode, Jerry and Elaine are like playing backgammon together. And I'm like, when the the hell have I played a a board game, like a two-player board game with my friend just to kill time? Like for us to play board games, it's like a big to-do. But yeah. (laughs) George's neurosis would be completely, you know, squashed when we find out later what happens uh, if he was just friends with her on Facebook. No problems. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. Uh, Kramer then comes in and he's got this whole comedy act bit. He's got a whole, like line for jerry uh and i can't remember what it's about about us bus driver and you know he he ends it ridiculous on uh you know something something basically like oh if you were i know it's the ambulance that is about the ambulance because no one gets out of the way for ambulances anymore which i guess maybe that was a trend that was happening in new york at at the time but he's like no one gets away he's like what what's the deal is everyone in the their cars being like well you shouldn't have had that second egg and and you know, bacon omelet <laughs> yesterday and Elaine laughed. And honestly, I thought it was funny. It was a little dark. It was actually a little meaner than Jerry's. Like I would say Jerry's normally. I liked it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was not funny. It, his delivery was funny. And that's what made us laugh. But like the joke itself was not funny. I thought it was. I'm in Elaine's camp on that one. <laughs> no, but what what was funny was the way Kramer said, uh, you know, that's as good as anything you do to Jerry. <laughs> and Which is funny. That's that's the real punchline of the joke that's yes. that right there is yeah. the re- real punchline of this whole entire exchange was <laughs> yeah that's no better than your bullshit that you do <laughs> exactly uh, all right george ends up uh you know calling this uh carol and he leaves her a very idiotic very uh you know he's nervous that kind of message um and honestly fucking george he's so good at overthinking things and just ruining relationships because he overthinks shit. Uh, and Elaine tells him this story about her brother-in-law, um, which I do, do believe she has a sister that we meet at some point. So it must be uh, that sister's husband. But she says that her brother-in-law like has this story about someone switching a tape um, at an answering machine. And this gives George kind of like an idea of, you know, oh, okay, maybe I can get out of this. 
I truly didn't even pick up on her saying brother-in-law. I remember the story. I remember mm-hmm. what her what she says. I did not pick up on her saying brother-in-law, and you just blew my mind because now I'm like trying to figure out where we see her sister or where we ever hear about her sister again. If we do, I truly don't even remember at this point. Yeah, I mean, she she started off this story with you know my brother-in-law you know told me about a friend who whatever, and then went into the story. Okay, I'm pretty sure she, yeah she's got the sister, and I I don't remember which episode off the top of my head. Um, that we kind of meet her or we ta- or we hear her talk about her or something. I mean, because at one point we hear somebody talk about George's brother and then that just goes away. So which whenever we find that episode, I'm going to call that out for, for fuck's sake, for sure. Yeah. And side note, I, I don't know where it is online, but someone did one of those deep dive articles where they basically analyzed George and his parents from a grieving family point of view, meaning that they took into account that it's canon that he has a brother and that he mm-hmm. must have died. And it actually explains why George like behaves the way he does with his parents. I'll try to dig that up and and put it on, put it in the show notes, or find it somewhere by by the time we we uh, we record that episode with the brother. But someone actually did the legwork to psychoanalyze George, the, basically to psychoanalyze the Costanzas under the assumption that they lost a family member, they lost George's brother, must have died, and it, yeah, and it actually explains why they behave the way they yeah. behave. Well, okay, so I've heard part of this as well, or something like this. Um, and I think from what the the theory that I've heard is in season three, which we will get to, uh, obviously, uh, there's an episode called The Suicide. And in the episode itself, there's not a suicide. And so the theory is the brother committed suicide at, the, at that time. Right. And then you kind of get like that neurotic because then I think it's not until season four where we finally meet the parents and shit like that of, of the Costanzas and things like that. So that's from what I've heard. And you know what? I'll be excited to get to that and see if that kind of holds up. Um, but that that's what I believe is the case. I want to go down that path on this podcast yeah. and, and see what happens. So by the time we get to season three or whatever that episode is, uh, we'll, we'll do the research. We'll find those articles. The, the one you're talking about is it's the same one that I read. I, I just maybe have yes. the information different, but I remember it. it yeah, you're right. It kind of all spins off of the episode titled The Suicide. So uh, guys, we'll tell you now, we'll, we'll start tracking that. We'll see how that, that plays out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so we cut to Jerry, and he has he's at his place. He has another good date going on with Donna. Like they have a really fucking good rapport with each other. Like they're they're good together. Yeah, they have a great rapport together. And this is when we get my favorite line of the entire episode, which is when he talks about being lactose intolerant. She goes, "You're lactose intolerant." He goes, "I I have no patience for lactose, and I won't tolerate it." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a good fucking line. That is, I mean, that's just, that's a funny bit. Yeah, and, and as someone who is lactose intolerant, I, I can concur. I, I have no patience for it, and I will not tolerate it. <laughs> Poor man, I feel bad what it does to your stomach, because cheese and dairy is so fucking amazing, particularly cheese. I love doing, like, wine and cheese nights. The wife and I just had pizza at the place uh, the three of us went oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been there before, yeah. <laughs> we, we got a pitcher of beer, and we got uh, the spicy Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian pizza. And, and you know what? I, I thought about you. I was like... I was like, oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna be recording with Adam tomorrow, and, uh, and we did it. We did a toast. We go. This one's for you, nice. buddy. <laughs> well, maybe I should feel bad for your wife because she has to deal with your lactose intolerance farts after you have pizzas. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I feel bad for everybody involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's that's a fantastic line. Um, 
and George ends up coming in and he fucks up and he slips uh, and says like, oh, you're the girl who likes that commercial. And this pisses Donna off uh, because obviously it means that Jerry can't keep his mouth shut, which honestly, I mean, you know, if I was Jerry, I probably would say the same thing. I mean, we all we all know it. I mean, we all do the same fucking thing. We all talk about it. But, yeah, you don't want it to be sort of in your face that you were talked about, you know, behind your back. Yeah. And George shouldn't have let it blabbed, but whatever. And then in comes kramer eventually and he just takes it to another level you know she says uh, oh hey i'm donna and he just points at her cotton dockers <laughs> yeah just, it's basically yeah just calling her like her nickname like that's what he sees her as that's what she would have been called by everyone else later on but yeah. yeah kramer sort of starts that sort of you call somebody by whatever it is that their worst trade is basically <laughs> yeah yep uh and then he and then he does a little quote from the commercial which is just funny as hell uh so she leaves she in a huff she's not very happy obviously uh and we get a little thing here that i just you know very small thing george is like you know i don't like this you know i'm usually a vault about this and i just like that because we i feel like we bring up the vault multiple times i mean especially at least like there's one time where we're trying to talk about the vault um and that being like you know anybody can uh you know, everybody has their own specific vault and knowing the key to each person's vault is something that happens later on. But I just I don't know. I like I like seeing some of these reoccurring uh, themes and, and the vault. This is the first time we've talked about that. Dude, I'm with you, man. I love these seeds that they plant later. And at the time, they probably didn't even know they were planting the seeds. And you have to just assume that, like, you know, the vault, that term, that's probably just something Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld used between each other. I'm sure like a lot of this stuff is comes from their own conversations, their own friendship that they brought into mm-hmm. the show. But I'm with you, man. I love seeing these these early character traits that pay off later on down the road in like these terms and stuff. And it also goes to show that aside from a few missteps here and there, like, you know, George mentioning a brother that never comes up later or Elaine mentioning a brother-in-law that may never come later aside from a little few weirdnesses here and there as a whole these characters are pretty well fleshed out from the beginning and that's what i think a leads to the success of the series because it feels like a living breathing universe even though completely fanciful (laughs) completely not realistic but a living breathing universe nonetheless Mm -hmm. absolutely all right, so we cut to Monks, and George is telling Jerry about you know this, this overblown, ridiculous story that you know he, he just goes over the top and more over the top of telling these different awful messages that he called uh, this this nice girl who just invited him up for coffee, and then and then she is not answering his uh, his calls or not calling him back, and so he's you know getting more and more. Um, overblown about it and becoming just nuts and calling her out um completely escalating it, it each message each me each one goes worse than the other yeah uh she did eventually call him back and she didn't get any of those messages uh she has been in the hamptons uh and so now george has this idea and he pulls out a little cassette cassette tape uh, that can kind of confirms that oh shit he's gonna try the swap that uh, Elaine told us about earlier. Now, guys, if you remember earlier, a cassette tape is a <laughs> device with magnetic strips that records sound. <laughs> yeah, he, and he also ends up talking uh, Jerry into helping for some reason. He calls him like a pansy or something. I can't even remember what he said. He calls him a wuss. And Jerry's face when he goes, a wuss. Like, you just know <laughs> that 
that that was something as kids that that would have probably gotten under Jerry's skin. Now, real quick to go back to what I was just saying about how this feels like a living, breathing world. Jerry and George always have felt like they've known each other since like elementary school. And in that is, you know, their characters, they do have known each other since like high school or something, but like, it feels like they've known each other forever and they do a great fucking job of that. And even like this, like I take it as not so much like Jerry himself doesn't like the word wuss. I take it as George knew that that would be a button to push on Jerry. And that's the, that's the kind of shit that I love about this show. The fact that you know that there's history between them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. So we cut to uh, them waiting in front of her apartment complex. They have a really funny back and forth about you know they're trying to figure out like a word or phrase to call out if if something's going wrong right would because so we established that jerry's the one that's going to swap the tape because george is in the end george is the wuss he he can't do it so george is going to run distraction and uh, jerry's the one that's going to swap the tape out and they're trying to figure out what the code word is if while you know while they're george and her in the other room so the first thing he comes up with is tippy toe i'll say tippy toe and of course of course that's going to come back (laughs) later even though jerry's like no no that's stupid why would you say that sing a song and then I did not know what the song that they chose, Lemon Tree? For a second, they were going to choose How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, and then they don't do that one. And yeah, and then they go to Lemon Tree, which once – I definitely recognized it once they were singing it, but I don't re- I don't really know it too much. I can't re- – actually, I can't even fucking sing it off the top of my head, and I just watched the episode like an hour ago. Yeah, I, I don't know it at all. The only thing I know is they said the, – I think Jerry is like the one by Mamas and Papas, and George is like, no, the other one. And that was the only thing I even knew was like, oh, okay, I, rec- I recognize Mamas and the Papas, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> um, and, but I do know uh, the Maria song. I do How Do You Solve a Problem yes. Like Maria. Maybe it's from this episode. I don't know, but that did ring a bell. I did recognize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – Carol gets there and they have a funny back and forth about, you know, she not needing to go up to her own apartment and they kind of have to coax her up there. They have to like, you know, uh, tell him that Jerry has to pee and he can't pee somewhere else. It's a, it's funny because, you know, we're all expecting that. Of course. Yeah. When I get home, I definitely go straight up to the apartment, but she doesn't need to or want to. And they have to, you know, humorously get her up there. And it's just kind of already their plan. It shows already their plan is going fucking haywire it's not it's not going as planned it's going south right away (laughs) yes yeah Uh, and they get up there and you know george has to run interference jerry doesn't want to go to the bathroom anymore because he's trying to get her to go away so he can go to the answering machine uh, which is you know kind of the whole reason that she said oh you know i guess i can check my answering machine when i get up there and here we get the callback of tippy toe (laughs) where at one point (laughs) they're around they're coming there george pulls her away while jerry's about to do the swap uh, and I think he does. He does get it. She comes in because she remembers where she yes. knows Jerry from. And uh, that that's what kind of reminded me into our conversation earlier. That's what reminded me that, yeah, Jerry is actually like a celebrity in this world. He does do stand-up mm-hmm. circuit, but he has done like the Tonight Show. So he, he's he's in that like middle ground area where he is recognizable on the street and she's all excited about that. But yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, it, because George in his panicked nature goes back to the tippy toe, which they shot down. They're like, well, that's stupid. Don't say tippy toe. But instantly it's like tippy toe, tippy toe. <laughs> yeah. His delivery, his delivery is perfect. Um, it, it's actually very kind of similar to how, you remember in um, the stakeout where he was going to have Art Corvalet and in the last fucking second, he switches it to Art Vandalay. Yeah. And he just kind of, he, he can't keep himself fucking straight. And that's the same thing. Like he did 
tippy toe and then like no no no, they agreed on something else and then he in his panic he just goes back to whatever the fuck he wanted and then this <laughs> this time it's tippy toe <laughs> he's so neurotic <laughs> he is uh she checks her answering machine there was nothing because you know jerry was able to make the switch and this part ends where she we find out that she actually did hear the messages a neighbor played them over the phone and she thought they were all a joke hilarious and she's like even the the last one was the funniest one all of it was for naught yes everything george could have not done a damn thing and it would have been just fine and then we end up with a stand-up bit yeah um the stand-up bit which i i actually quite liked he jerry he's like i i wish i was a phone machine so that when people came up to me i could just be like jerry's not home right now please leave a message you know and not have to talk to people and then he segues into how he likes corded phones better than cordless phones because when you hang up on somebody it's much more satisfying to slam it down versus just pushing the little you know on off button and it kind of ends with him like i'm mad at you and then just going ooh beep which i mean guys uh, uh, th- that joke doesn't even land these days and you know for anyone younger younger than 30 probably at this point but yeah it, but at the same time growing up it's a hundred percent fucking true there is truly and and it makes me miss being able to slam the phone down (laughs) truly it really makes me miss that because it was so satisfying to hear that ring like that ding when you hit just slam it down (laughs) you can't quite you can't Uh, quite do that anymore with like cell phones and whatnot no no you don't get any of that but yeah i mean hell i think all of us got rid of our cord phones a long time ago, like even with the second that we could get cordless, you went cordless. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the phone jack in my wall over by my microwave, yeah. and I'm wondering how long until no one knows what that little dot thing is yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. And I love how they always try to bundle phones in with the internet. Like, oh, I think I, I think I actually have a phone line because of my Spectrum internet. But I'm like, I don't care. For only ten dollars more. But it's like, why the fuck? I, I, you better give it for free because I don't give a fuck. I don't care about the ten dollars more for this landline. Yeah, we don't even care about the fucking cable. We just want the internet. That's all you guys are good for now is the internet. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, all right, let's go into our general discussion about the episode. Corey, please tell me your thoughts about the phone message. This was an interesting episode for, I'd say, multiple reasons. I, overall, when I was watching it, it's not one of my favorites. I didn't love it. I was like, okay, this is like a mid-tier episode to me. That, That was my gut, right? Talking to you about it actually enhanced my enjoyment of it. I was like, oh, okay, this was actually more fun to talk about than the last one because you actually you, you kind of turned my mind a little bit on, on some things. But there's a third factor that is quite momentous uh, here and that my wife kind of peeked in around halfway through the episode mm. and then started paying attention. And I'm like, what's, what's happening? Is this, is this happening? Are we, is she going to start liking <laughs> Seinfeld? Then she started laughing. And then at the end, when the whole thing was, like we said, for not, she was like, oh, so like nothing happened. I'm like, it is a show about nothing after all. <laughs> but so I don't know where this is going to lead. And, and people who've been listening to this podcast from the beginning will know that my wife's not a fan of Seinfeld. <laughs> and it's you know obviously one of my favorite things in the entire world. So I'm like, I'm like, 
what's happening right now? Why is she paying attention? So hope maybe she'll like it. I don't know. We'll see. But that added a different layer to this episode that I was not expecting. But as like on its own, as by itself, me just sitting there watching it, I did not love it. It was kind of like a maybe a three out of five to me, but I really enjoyed talking to you about it, and I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on it. So that that's where I'm coming from on it. Well, that's fantastic. I hope, you know, at your deathbed, when you're like, you know, telling your love, uh, you know, like the, the spot that you just knew for sure that you were going to last forever, uh, that it was comes back to the phone message and the the point where she watched Seinfeld with you and I thought this this is that this is going to be that moment man yeah it was you know what it was it was when George called Jerry a wuss and then when we were outside mm. uh, we were talking about oh because it was raining and I was like oh I'm gonna put my you know shoes on she goes what are you a wuss and I'm like oh my oh. God. I was like oh my god are you serious she's starting to quote it <laughs> I, was, I was like this is happening it's really happening <laughs> boner town man <laughs> it's always the best you know when you get a nerd like that yep <laughs> so yeah what what uh what do you think buddy I, I think you might have liked it a little bit more than me overall honestly i was actually very similar discuss, uh, about with you i thought this was a very decent episode middle of the pack you know dissecting it with you i actually probably <laughs> talked myself into liking it more but you know it, to me it's this is a very middle of the road episode um i did find it very strange that they ended with everything being okay between George and Carol, but this is the only episode she's in, so I guess George fucked it up some other how, some other reason, and he never got that coffee. Uh, I hope. I hope he never got the coffee. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. Coffee means <laughs> sex. Coffee doesn't mean coffee. We know that. Um, but yeah, we never see her again. Uh, there's not like any like real, real standout moments, but you know, there's general good ones in this episode. So I gave it a uh, three out of five tippy toes right in the middle. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> three out of five tippy toes. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's interesting. That's that's really that's interesting that we both had more fun dissecting and analyzing this episode than we did watching it. I'm curious to see how often that that happens cuz I mean, come on. I, let's 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 agree that even though we think that this episode's middle of the ground, I mean, it's still Seinfeld. It's I would still rather watch this than pretty much anything else on the planet Earth, you know? <laughs> yes. So you have to understand yes. that even for like a three out of a five for this is like, it still puts it above any most anything else out, out there. So I'm, yes, I'm curious absolutely. to see how many episodes we sort of stumble across where we're like, you know what? As a whole, it wasn't that great, but I really enjoyed talking about it. And and it, it did bring out something a little bit more fun. You made me notice things that I I don't think I noticed the first time. And that was that was a lot of fun, dude. I really, really enjoyed that. You know, you make me notice more things about myself and about just everything else as well, man. It's just life is better with you, Corey. Life is so much more beautiful and colorful. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> where where can we find you, buddy? Where can we find you online and in the uh, the podcast verse? You can find me on anything Blast From Our Past podcast, which basically just means the podcast, the Instagram, or the Facebook. Uh, and really, the podcast or the Instagram is really where we're doing our main stuff. Uh, so please check those out. We're at Blast Past Cast on Instagram. You can find the Blast From Our Past podcast on pretty much anything you listen on a podcast to. If you're listening to this episode, then you have no reason to not go and find the Blast From Our Past podcast because it's going to be on the exact same uh, thing that you heard this from 
gmail.com. So go find it, go like it, go rate it, go review it, go listen to it, and then keep listening to it, and then go back and listen to all of our episodes, and then you should go over to NSFW Gamer. Isn't that where they can find you, my man? Yes, sir. You can find me every week with my buddy Noah talking about video games and pop culture on the NSFW Gamer podcast. And you can also find me on a few episodes of the Blast from Our Past uh, podcast. You're with you and your brother. I did the Robocop episode and the Monster Squad episode and any of the sequels episodes that uh, that's out there. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I am also a patron of the Blast from Our Past podcast. I love I loved you guys before we even became friends. So this is very uh, this works out very well. And uh, you can find me personally. I'm most active on Instagram at Corey Nation. And uh, yeah, we're out there. We're doing stuff. And I hope you guys have fun with this podcast. I hope you guys are having a great time revisiting Seinfeld with us. Tippy toe. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Thank you.